Good morning. Enjoy that extra hour of sleep. I expect you to stay awake today. You got a, got a little extra sleep in. <clears throat> I am grateful that you're here. Uh, I'd like to just pause for a moment in prayer and just ask the Lord to speak to us. Would you join me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful for who you are, and we're grateful for your word, and now we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us, that by your Holy Spirit, uh, somebody's life would be changed, uh, not because of my words, but because you're speaking in a clear and powerful way. Uh, we just ask that you, you'd be honored and glorified in all that happens today. We ask that in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. I have a t-shirt that I've only worn once. It's a fairly new t-shirt. It's one that the youth are wearing, and I got a, uh, my own copy of it, I guess. And um, it's a dark shirt. It has white letters. Letters. It says, Storyteller, 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 Storyteller. And then kind of in the middle, uh, in blue letters, it says the same thing, Storyteller. I wore it for the first time last week. I stopped at 7-Eleven one evening to get a, uh, a Pepsi, and... Uh, so I, I forgot I had the shirt on. I really did. I forgot I had the shirt on. And I, you know, I was just standing there, and there were two guys behind the counter. I was looking at something on the counter. I was just kind of focused. Sometimes when I get focused on something, I just tune out everything else. And so I'm focused on something I'm fiddling with on the counter. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about buying a Reese's cup. I don't know. But, but I'm, I'm standing there, and this guy says, hey, man, tell me a story. I thought he's talking to the, to the other guy behind the counter. So I don't say anything. And so I'm still looking at something. He said, come on, man, tell me a story. And again, I don't say anything because I don't know he's talking to me. I think, why, why are they asking? I did not remember I had the shirt on. He finally said, dude, can you tell me a story? <laughs> and I looked down. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, I sure can. I said, it's the best story I've ever heard. You want to hear it? And he said, yeah. I said, God loves you and Jesus Christ died for your sins. And he, he just kind of paused. He looked at me and said, I can respect that. <laughs> we all love a story, you know, to such a degree that if we see somebody has a shirt that says storyteller, we want them to tell a story. We all love a good story. I read an article by a, a psychologist and a researcher from Princeton University, Dr. Allie Hansen. He actually did a study trying to figure out why is it that we all like stories. We, we kind of get tuned in when we hear a good story. And, and he discovered in, in his research that our minds have the ability, what he called to mirror image what is being told. He said, for example, if you are talking about the sights and the sounds and the smell of something, that if the storyteller is talking about the sights, sounds, and smells and all those kind of things, that you have a mirror image of what's in his or her mind. A mirror image is formed in your mind. They actually did a, a study where they were scanning the brain as they were telling the stories. And the same brain activity in the storyteller was occurring in in the one listening to the story. I mean, if I were to talk to you about it was a dark night in the woods and cold December evening and we heard footsteps behind us, all of a sudden you began to get a mirror image of that, right? Because that's just the abilities that we have. He calls it neurocoupling. We can actually get involved in the story that we can imagine as if we're there, as if we're part of it. And so we all love stories. We, we, we love to tell stories. I mean, you've been in those situations where you're sitting around a bonfire and and, and talking about scary stories, or you're listening to your grandmother 
uh, talk about the days in the Depression when she was growing up, or, or you and your buddy are sitting around talking about deer hunting stories and talking about that big one that, that you saw step out, all those kind of things. Or, or you watch the Hallmark Channel. And you, by the way, let me just clue you in. Every movie is the same. They just have different actors. You can predict what the, what the next event's going to be. But no, no. You know. So you, when they play the next 300 Christmas movies, uh, you just remember they're all the same. They just got different actors. It's just the same script, different actors. But we all love a story. We all love a good story. But have you ever thought about the fact that everybody not only loves a story, but everybody has a story? You and I have a story. And in fact, your life is a story. And if you want to generate some good conversation... Sometime when you have a little time, ask that person who is your coworker or somebody in your family or somebody at school, just say, tell me your story. And just be prepared to sit there for a while because we, uh, we all love to talk about our story. But there's a big question I want to ask today as we think about the concept of a story and telling your story. I've got one big question I want to ask you today, and it's this one. If you were to tell your story, would it include God? I've had a revelation of sorts this week. I realized that I really can't tell my story without mentioning God. My life doesn't make sense apart from God. I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on God. You see, I bet you can identify with this if you know Christ. God's not just part of my story. God is the one who changed my story. And God can change your story too. I was teaching this week at Anderson University and there's a young lady sitting to my right and, and she said a statement that I've heard before but she said it with such sincerity and with such passion it kind of caught me off guard. She said the power of the gospel is that God can change anybody. And she said it with such feeling and with such sincerity that I wanted to say time out let me hear your story. Let me hear the story behind that. But she was right. You see, the offer that God makes to every person is this. You don't have to stay the way you are. You don't have to go through life wishing you could be different. God has the power to change you, regardless of who you are. Now, that's a very big topic of discussion right now in American culture because of a man named Kanye West. I don't know, how many know who Kanye West is? Raise your hand. All right, a lot of you. I didn't ask that in the first service. I knew better. <laughs> But I explained it. Let me tell you who Kanye West is. Kanye West is a rapper and a, and a singer. Uh, he's also a, a songwriter, a record producer, an entrepreneur. He's a fashion designer. Uh, he's just done all kinds of things. Very, very famous. And in lots of circles in American culture, he would be considered a cultural icon. Well, Kanye West is a man who not too long ago came out and said that he is now a Christian, that he is now a follower of Christ and an unashamed follower of Christ to such a degree that he was on a late night talk show and, and one of the, the, the hosts said, Kanye, does this mean that you're now a Christian singer? He said, no, I'm a Christian everything, which I thought was a pretty good answer. Well, you probably know by now that he just released a brand new album called Jesus is King. 
I've listened to parts of the album. There's lots of Bible references in that album. Lots of references to Scripture and to Jesus. And to such a degree, and just to show you how culture is influenced, Google spiked when the album came out. People searching the name Jesus and Christianity. There was a huge spike on Google. People trying to figure out, what is this stuff that he's talking about on the album? Now, some people on social media are looking at Kanye West and, and his past and all of that. They, they know what he used to do and what he used to be and uh, the music award show and all kinds of stuff that he's done. They know all about all that. And so a lot of people on social media are saying, well, I don't know. Let's just wait and see. Well, I don't know either. I don't know him. I've never met him. But I do like what the Apostle Paul said about this. By the way, I love how relevant the Bible is. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, the important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. That's the way I view it. I want to tell you something. Jesus is king. And I rejoice that his name is being proclaimed. Now, whether his faith is real or not is, is one thing we may or may not agree on, but I think there's one thing we should all agree on, and that is that nobody is beyond hope. Nobody is beyond salvation. God can change anyone who truly turns to Him in faith. Now, the, here's what you need to understand. The depth of your sin is not the problem. The amount of your sin is not the problem. How long you've been living in sin is not the problem. Here's the problem. Who's going to be in charge of the sinner? That's where real change takes place when you deal with that question. Who's going to be in charge of the sinner? That's what makes the difference. You see, the key to life is not trying to stop the sin. The key to life is allowing God to change the sinner. You didn't get where you are by accident. You got where you are right now because of the choices that you've made in life. You've been writing your story every day. So the decisions that you've been making, the places that you've been going, the priorities of your lives, the things that you've been doing or the things that you have failed to do, you've been writing your story every day. But the question is, what if you don't like the way the story is turning out? Can it be rewritten? And the answer is, well, the best answer is, let's hear from the Apostle Paul and see what he says about that. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. I don't know of anybody more qualified to answer that question. Can our story be rewritten than the Apostle Paul? Galatians chapter 1. While you're turning to that, let me give you a little bit of context. It's interesting that whenever Paul told his story, and he did that in Acts chapter 22 and in Acts chapter 26 and a couple other places in small segments, but whenever Paul told his story, it's interesting that he always pointed back to the same event. He always pointed back to the same time, to the same day. Whenever Paul told his story, he always pointed back to his encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Because there is where his life was changed. So let's read about it. Galatians chapter 1, Paul is telling his story. And here's how he describes his life. Chapter 1, verse 11. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. 
For you have heard of my previous way of life, my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. <coughs> Excuse me. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. And after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days, and I saw none other of the apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. <clears throat> later, I went to Syria and to Cilicia. Watch verse 22 and 23. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Using Paul's story, I want to encourage you to examine your story. Using Paul's story, I want to ask you to ask yourself two crucial questions as you think through your story. Here's the first question I'd like you to ask yourself. The question is this one. Is your life different than it used to be? Is your life different than it used to be? In verse 13, Apostle Paul talks about his life that was different in his past. He says, For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely, or how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Now the word previous there is an important word because it indicates a change has taken place. It in indicates that Paul is telling us he's a different man now than he used to be. He's telling us he's no longer involved in what he used to be involved in. He, he's no longer believing what he used to believe. He's no longer living the way he used to live. He is now a different man. And his previous way of life is an important phrase because it indicates the change that has occurred in his life. And he describes his past life this way. He says in verse 13, I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Driven by his religion and his hatred of Christians, Paul was on his way to Damascus, and that's where he had this life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but everything he used to be, watch this, is now in the past. Everything he used to be is his now referred to this way, my previous way of life. His life is different than it used to be. If you were to tell your story, could you talk about your previous way of life? If you were to tell your story, is there a part of your story where you could talk about, I'm a different person now than I used to be? We don't all come to Christ the same way, and likely none of us are going to have a conversion story as dramatic as Paul's. But yet, there still should be that, that area of our lives that we can point back to and refer to as our, our previous way of life. The life we used to live, but no longer live. We all come to Christ in different ways, different stages, different places in life. Some of you met God, your life was broken, your life was wounded, your life was, you were filled with worry, you were going through a hard time with your marriage, and, and you came to faith in Christ then. Some of you came to faith in Christ when you were young. That's my story. I came to Christ when I was 11 years old. 
And so my previous way of life was not a whole lot different from the life that I've lived now. Except here's the difference. Watch this. It's not that my actions were that much different. I was 11 years old. I wasn't doing a whole lot of bad stuff. But my heart was now different. Some of you, your previous way of life uh, might be that you came to Christ when, when you were uh, late in life, when you're an older person and your life was, was empty. Or maybe you met the Lord in a hospital room. Or maybe you met the Lord in your living room. Perhaps some of you met Jesus at Vacation Bible School, or perhaps you came to faith in Christ in a car all by yourself listening to the radio. As the Apostle Paul told his story, he could point back to a time when he lived life separated from God. He called it my previous way of life. My question to all of us is a very simple question. Is that part of your story? Can you point back to your previous way of life, a time when you lived separated from God. Or to say it this way, is there a time in your life that you can point to that was before Christ? Can you look back at a time in your life that where you before you embraced Jesus and what he did for you on the cross? Now for some of you you think, pastor, there certainly was that time in my life before Christ, but I don't like to think about that. That was a bad time in my life. I was not a very good person back then. I was involved in some pretty bad stuff back then. I really don't like to think about my life before Christ. I can understand that because there may be some painful memories attached to your past. But don't forget, listen, you need to remember what your life was like outside the boundaries of grace. There's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, it will keep you grateful for the grace you have experienced. Paul was like this. Whenever he told his story, he always talked about his life before Christ. And I think it's because he never got over the fact that he had experienced God's grace. In fact, he talks about it in verse 15. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his what, church? He called me by his grace. Paul never got over this. The memory of his sin, the memory of the life that he used to live was simply a reminder of God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Now, you don't need to glory in your past before Jesus, but neither do you need to forget it because it is a reminder that you are a recipient of God's grace. You probably know by now that the man who wrote those words, Amazing Grace, was a former slave trader named John Newton. John Newton, before he was saved, was a slave trader. And, and after he was saved, he wrote the words to Amazing Grace. But you may, you may not know that he also wrote something else. He wrote his epitaph for his own tombstone. Before he died, he instructed, this is what I want you to put on my tombstone. Let me read you what's on his tombstone, written by John Newton. He said, John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had so long labored to destroy. Newton never forgot what it was like to be a recipient of grace. What's your story? Time where you can point back to a B.C. time before Christ and say, that was my previous way of life, but thank God for His grace. Your, your painful past or the memories of your past not only remind you of grace, but let me tell you something else. It qualifies you to talk to somebody else who still needs grace. 
Look what he says in verse 16. To reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That is, so that I might share with others this grace that I have experienced. You see, you've got a story to share. And it's not a story about you. It is a story about what God has done for you. Is your life different than it used to be? If it is, praise the Lord. And if it's not, then come to faith in Christ so He can make you different from, you, from the person you used to be. That's the first question. Here's the second question. As we look at the story of Paul and as you examine your own story, the second question I want you to consider is this one. Is your faith in the one you used to reject? Is your faith in the one you used to reject? Look in verse 23. It says, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. One of the signs of true salvation is that you now embrace what you once rejected. One of the signs of true salvation is that you now embrace what you once rejected. Now I told you I came to faith in Christ when I was 11 years old. But you need to understand something. I knew the gospel long before age 11. I had heard the gospel many times. I grew up reading my Bible. I grew up going to church and praying and all those kind of things. I knew about the Lord. I could have turned to faith in Christ at 7 or 8 or 9 or 10, and I didn't. And for the life of me, I can't tell you why. I just kept saying to my dad, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You know what I was doing? I was rejecting the Lord Jesus. I was not a bad person, but I was still rejecting the Lord Jesus. I knew the gospel. I knew I needed the gospel. I wasn't ready to surrender to the gospel. I kept rejecting the Lord Jesus until age 11. That might describe your life. You know the gospel. You know what you need. But have you embraced the one you have been rejecting? See, that really is salvation. Maybe you don't know Christ yet and you're thinking, my, my feeling about Christians is this, all Christians are weak, all Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, there was a Jesus but he was just a good teacher and a moral man and the Bible was written to deceive people, it was written by men to deceive people. That, it's a summary of what a lot of people who don't know Christ sometimes say when you try to talk to them about their story. There's a man in, in North Carolina that I knew named Carol, and he told me those four things. Carol told me one day, sitting in his basement, he said, all Christians are weak. He said, they're a bunch of hypocrites. He said, Jesus did live, but he was nothing more than a good moral man and a good example. And the Bible was written by men to deceive people. His mind was made up. He had no use for Jesus. His brother, who was a deacon, talked to him about Jesus. His wife who was the chairman of the search committee that brought me to that church, talked to him about Jesus. His friends talked to him about Jesus. And I talked to him about Jesus on multiple occasions sitting in his basement. But his mind was made up. Nothing could change his mind. He continued to reject the Jesus we talked about. Late in life, God did what no man could do. Late in life, Carol one day embraced the Jesus he had been rejecting. Late in life, he changed his mind 
and changed his heart toward Jesus. And instead of rejecting him as Savior, he received him as Savior. And people have been doing that for centuries. That's what Paul talks about in verse 23. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. On the road to Damascus, something extremely important happened. Paul put his faith in the Lord Jesus, and for the first time in his life, he was willing to surrender his life to the man he once hated. How do you explain that apart from God? He was willing to put his faith in the one that he hated. For the first time in his life, he was no longer in charge. For the first time in his life, he's willing to follow Jesus and serve Jesus. Can I say to you, listen to me, up in the balcony on the lower floor, God's got a better plan for your life than you do. But the question is going to be, are you willing to submit to Him? That's a scary thought. Letting God have control over your life, that is a very scary thought. To surrender your heart, your life to Him, that is a scary thought. But if you really want your life to change, it involves embracing the Jesus you have been rejecting. So what's your story? Can you, don't, don't, don't just say, well, I, I'm a religious person or I'm a good person or all those kind of things. I, I want you to be able to say, there was a time in my life, my previous way of life, and I lived this way, but now Jesus has changed me. I want you to be able to say, it was a day when I embraced the Lord Jesus, the same one I had been rejecting. That made all the difference in my life. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I'm going to talk to you for just 60 seconds before we sing. I just want your heads bowed, eyes closed. Are you willing to embrace the one today that you've been rejecting? You see, you're either rejecting Jesus or you are accepting Him. There's really no middle ground there. You're either rejecting Jesus or you're accepting Him. Have you put your faith in the one called Jesus? Apostle Paul would have said, let me tell you my story. It was a day when I finally realized that Jesus is real. It was a day I finally realized how much I desperately needed Him to change me. There was a day I realized that the only way to be the person I wanted to be was not trying to stop the sin, but allowing Him to change the sinner. If you've never trusted Christ today, I hope that you'll do that. I hope that you will embrace the one you've been rejecting so that you can one day in your testimony say, there is this previous way of life, but then the Lord Jesus changed my life. And if you look at your life right now and you look in your past and you say, I don't know that my life has ever changed. I, I prayed a prayer, I got baptized, but I don't know that my life ever really changed. Maybe you need to allow Him to be your Lord and your Savior and change you today. When your life is not what it could be or should be, there's a prayer that makes all the difference. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. 
So, Father, we just pray that today you'd be honored and that if anybody doesn't truly know you, that as they think of their story, if it doesn't include God, if it doesn't include a time when God radically changed their life, I pray today will become part of their story as they put their faith in you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.